0: Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Ben. Welcome to Lifestone Church. Uh, I'm inspired by my wife's comment of living the dream. <laughs> okay. Um, well, Happy Easter. Band, you guys are awesome. Uh, they have put in a lot of time and effort and so talented. Uh, if I could pick my talents, it'd be one of those, but... Um, thank you guys, and thank you all you volunteers, everybody at Lifestone, just uh, so many people serve and, and uh, because they care about reaching as many people as possible with the truth of who Jesus is and what he offers. Today, as we celebrate Easter, what does it even mean? Easter, I mean just the word. I'm getting real technical this morning as I start. Uh, Easter, what? I, I, don't, I can't think of another word like it. Uh, I'm kind of uh, interested in these kind of things. I I, I like to see where the origin of of that word comes from. Does that point to, you know, something spiritual? And there's a lot of controversy, actually, uh, about what that means. When you look at almost every other language, their name uh, for Easter has to do with the Passover, uh, because Jesus... Uh, gives his life. Uh, he's the ultimate Passover lamb, and, and that's when that takes place, the crucifixion over that Passover weekend, and um, or resurrection, or Resurrection Sunday. And so we know that Easter, what that means is Resurrection Sunday. Sometimes people want to just say, hey, so we're not confused. Let's just call it what it is, Resurrection Sunday, Happy Resurrection Sunday. Now, I'm simple. This is how I think of and tr- try to remember what Easter means. It's a good way, I think, to teach little kids. Easter, you just take off the E-R of Easter, and you have east, right? And the sun rises in the east. It's a celebration of Jesus rising, and he actually rose with the sun, is the account that we have in scripture, is that at the break of dawn, as we sang earlier, is when Jesus rose uh, from the grave. And that's what we're celebrating here this morning. Um, and, And to do that, We're going to do something kind of interesting, a little different than than how we typically do things. Um, You don't have to hear me the whole time. Yeah, I got a woo out of that. All right, I don't know how to feel about that. Um, But I don't know, you know, why you've come here this morning. Maybe you're celebrating who Jesus is, the resurrection, what the implications of that means in your life. Maybe. You just feel an obligation to show up to church on Easter. And, and we're, we're glad you're here. Maybe you're trying to appease a family member or something like that, or look for some free candies or a photo with the Easter bunny or something like that. Um, you know, we're really glad that you're here this morning, regardless of, of why you might be here. But we want to share with you what we think is the most important event in history. And here's my hope is that it is, if it hasn't already become, that it is, it becomes, if I can say this right, the most important event in your history is the resurrection of Jesus and what that whole culmination of the events that, that take place in the resurrection, the, the, um, uh, Jesus' life, his resurrection, his, his uh, crucifixion, and even his ascension, everything uh, that, that, that that means to us um, and how that can impact your life. So, But what I said is this is going to be a little different, and we're going to hear from Jake and Megan Moore. Um, I love these guys. Um, I, I got to know Megan four years ago. This is what made me think about this, is four years ago was Megan's first time at Lifestone at, at Easter. Uh, we were at the rec center in those days, and that was the first time I got to meet Megan. And it, it was cool. A little later on, Jake... Uh, moved uh, here to uh, the Salt Lake area, and I got to know both, both of them. And then I had the privilege of performing their wedding up in upstate New York, and that was just awesome. It's just cool to see how God's worked in their life. And I think their story, and we're going to hear primarily from Megan. I was teasing Jake, like, I just don't want to hear your story. Uh, we just really didn't have time. But we're going to hear especially how Megan uh, came to faith in Christ and and came out of an understanding of of being surrounded by the christian message and and who jesus was but not fully understanding and coming to a conclusion of what jesus fully accomplishes on the cross and through his resurrection and 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 i think i'll i'll let her tell the story in this video so would you guys watch this video we
1: met through a friend and um I guess we went on a date first official date a couple days later. I was living in DC at the time and he was living out in Virginia. And so he had reached out and sent I think a couple options or or maybe just said, "Hey, how about this place?" Um and I uh typed it into Google and I'm like and it was like a 45-minute drive, but in DC that's pretty common. So I was like, "Yeah, that sounds great." And I didn't want to seem high maintenance or difficult so um i didn't want to say actually that's 45 minutes away
2: so yeah
1: Yeah. so then what a year later we were driving through his neighborhood and we drive by la madeline i was like hey isn't there where we had our first date it was around the corner it's like
2: five minutes away he's like
1: oh i hope you never find out
2: (laughs) so we had just met we were formulating a relationship we were you know, really connecting, Um, but soon into that, you know, she was promoting to a new job.
1: Our HR called me one day just out of the blue, I hadn't heard anything for a year, and they said, hey, uh, we have a position for you in Salt Lake City, would you be interested? And so I said, yeah, of course, having never been to Utah, but I wanted the job. People asked if I would have to wear long dresses, (laughs)
2: long
1: dresses and long sleeves and how I would do my job with long dresses and long sleeves. And I think we both thought, I know I thought, um, we would kind of do a few years here through work and then transfer back. And then uh, we fell in love with Utah. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was a surprise to our family, but they were like, all right, but you said you'd
2: transfer home, and <laughs> here we are, so. <laughs> <laughs> Rebels. Yeah. Faith was always like a number one thing in my family. It was a number one priority.
1: I grew up with a religious background my I remember asking my mom one time when I was a kid um, why do we go to church or why is it important to you that we go to church um, and she told me that I want you to know that wherever you go in life you are never alone and I'm even though it was a religious background and um, it was a faith or a, excuse me a workspace based, background. Um, I'm so appreciative that there's never been a day in my life that I've questioned um, who God is and if he exists and if he created this awesome world in us um, because that's how they raised me. I remember one of the first things that was so strange to me or so different is um, I remember asking Jake, what, what are you? Like, what religion are you? And, and so for me, I'm like, hey, I'm this. What are you? And he's like, I'm a Christian. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But what are you? Like, I couldn't comprehend um, that he's a Christian, and that's like he, that's what he is. It's coming from a religion. You're, hey, what? You know, it's very much what, um, what your religious, I don't know, title is. They were there to answer questions, and when he didn't know the answer, he would find out, and he would talk with his dad. Um, or open his Bible or um, just do research to answer these questions and I appreciated it because for me it was if you're going to share something with me I need to know the evidence or the um, where you're getting this it's, if it's opinion then um, I need to know that too but if it's if you're going to share something with me I just need to know like
2: what backs that up and you can talk to some people and realize that you bring up religion and stuff like that they're just immediately like shut off Mm -hmm. and don't want to talk about it and i didn't really get that feeling with you i felt like you were um very intrigued at least to, to like hear what i had to say and ask questions and just by your nature like you you did i mean you dug into it you were like well why is this you know what does this mean
1: I yeah. felt like a little kid and when they keep saying, but why?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, You know, he'd answer the question, but
1: why? <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> it's weird because I had so many questions, but I had spent 20 plus years, you know, at the time, 23, 25 years in church, but I still felt like I knew nothing about the Bible. To me, now religion is ritualistic, faith is a relationship. So I felt like when I was part of a religion, um, it was... You did things, um, you went through rituals to kind of check a box, um, and work your way toward being right with God, and you didn't have, I didn't have a relationship with God, and I didn't know when I was part of religion what Christ had done for me. There was one conversation specifically, it was a few years after we started dating, Um, in about a year after I had moved to Utah, so Jake had moved here a few months prior, and I was in my apartment at the time, and, um, I was washing the dishes, and Jake was sitting on the couch, um, let's get, like, emotional when I talk about it, (laughs) it's good. And I, I can't remember if we were having a conversation or if it just clicked, and, um, I, I said something along the lines of you mean to, <laughs> you mean to tell me that it's nothing i can do um, that that christ did it all for me and um, Jake said yeah and, and I said Jake I don't deserve that He's like exactly and that was like it clicked and i always say it was the most freeing day of my life um, to go from you know 25 years of thinking that um, I just had to do all these things and I had to work my way toward my salvation and um, never knowing if I was going to make it into heaven. Like if something happened to me today, would I would I make it into heaven? Did I go to confession recently enough? Um, to know that He did it all for us and gosh, I don't deserve that and that is Incredible. One of the, the biggest things that's different now prior to really having that relationship and understanding was um, I used to experience happiness, and now I experience joy, like just pure joy. And it doesn't mean that everything's perfect. Like days are still really hard, and we still struggle, and we're human. Um, but you just see joy in relationships and joy in work, um, in, in your career and in my job and, um, just joy in going to church where when I was a kid, I was like, you know, here we are again. Um, but I enjoy the fellowship and I enjoy just being in his word and, um, yeah. And, and it's funny because I remember when I, when it clicked for me, like, I want to share this with everybody, especially you know my family and my friends and this is amazing like i just want to tell everybody um so yeah it's so awesome my first time at lifestone was easter um 2015 so it was four years ago crazy to think it was four years ago and i remember getting there early and sitting toward the back and hoping no one would talk to me <laughs> and you came and sat down next to me <laughs> and chatted with me and it was really nice and the lobby um yeah the lobby creators were so friendly um i think it was rebecca and ashley maybe and that was really nice but um yeah i was there by myself because he hadn't yet moved to utah and i remember leaving thinking like these are real people like they're not people that are trying to put it on a facade or they're not here to check a box like these are genuine people that just love jesus
0: So I love I love hearing that story. I love um, just how that speaks to I think so many people. I used to try to just put people in two categories and say, okay, you're either someone who has accepted Jesus or you're someone who hasn't, and and uh, so you have this eternal life in Christ or you don't. But really, when you think, it's more complex than that. Of of people who ha- haven't fully known this life in Christ that that. Some people think they do understand and know the story and know what Christ has done, and and it's only through kind of seeing Scripture and, and having other believers show and reveal um, what the full message is. And and I love what Megan said about how that it was the most freeing thing in the world. And, and I just I hear her share that, and I just see like uh, the, just this weight of religious guilt and religious effort and, and worry and lack of peace and assurance, all that stuff just fall off. um, when it comes to understanding what the gospel is, what the resurrection is, that it, it's something that really happened. And the reason it really happened just quickly, uh, in the last portion of, of the service here this morning, I want to share, uh, just what's in your program to fill out there. And, uh, the, the first deal is, number one, we have a real problem. We need a real resurrection because we have a real problem. I have a real problem. Um, and this problem is called sin. And some people hear that and they're like, oh, you're one of those churches. Tell me what a sinner I am. And, yeah, it sounds kind of churchy and religious and stained glass. But what sin means is we've done our own thing. We've lived life on our terms, and we have rejected the fact that we are created by God to live for him, to find our purpose in him, to, um, uh, to uh, I'm sorry, we are created for him. And, and, and what sin is, is saying, I'm going against that, and I'm going against what he calls me, how he calls me to live, and I'm just going to be the boss of my own life. And, and in Romans 3.23, it says this about who has done that. For all have sinned. Very just common, basic uh, verse that a lot of people use to point this truth out. And we have to start at this place because without this understanding, there is no need for the resurrection. There is no need for what Jesus came and did. There is no need for the cross. But, but if we understand that the reason he went to the cross was because of me, of my rebellion and my sin and I can't do anything to cover it and and to uh, the only thing I can do is give my life and then I cannot have an eternal relationship with God and so um, that's the the big problem that we have now you millennials out there stick with me I love you but some of you guys are thinking this isn't a safe place I'm being attacked as a sinner that I'm not good enough and I'm just kind of kidding with you guys. Um, I love millennials. I hung out with them for like a decade of, of ministry and, and, and did stuff with them. But this isn't, I say that because it's not a popular point and message, But if we don't get here and understand this and embrace this, because the Bible says, well, hey, what if we did all this religious, that's what religion does and what Megan expressed. Like religion says, hey, if I do enough religious things, if I do enough rituals, or if I do enough good works, then that can make up for my sin. And the Bible says, no, 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 all that stuff is tainted by the fact that you are full of sin and that God is so holy and so perfect. And and so separated from us at such a different level that we can't approach him. The Bible says all of our righteous works are like filthy rags. That there's no way that we can, we can make that up. So if we don't know that, the, the, the cross and the resurrection just loses its meaning and its effectiveness. And uh, some people as they approach this this uh, problem of sin, they, they just go to denial mode. And here's different ways we deny. We say, okay, either, well, this is just a a bunch of religious hooey. And um, can I say, am I old enough to say hooey? I think so. Like, that's what my grandpa would say. Um, Or, um, you know, this is just all made up. This is a way to control people. just made up and, like, give people guilt and stuff. So we just deny that there is a God and a creator and that, you know, we just happened to just, the world just happened through, you know, weird natural uh, processes that we developed complicated theories of how that happened. First uh, 1 John 1, nine says, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. That it's important to know the truth. I, I love that we serve a God that the Bible and, and Jesus himself identifies as the truth. He's described in the Gospels as somebody full of grace and full of truth. And that's important to know that that really is the truth. And when you get down to it and, and you say, okay, if there is a perfect holy God, and that's a standard that, that we're called to, to live up to, how do you compare? How do I compare? I've not met anyone who would boldly proclaim that they live up to that perfect standard, that we all know that we fall short. And that we've all made mistakes and, and we've, we've uh, you know, failed in, in different ways. So some people just try to deny God. Some people just think they're good enough. And uh, us good people who think we're just good, we're doing a wrong comparison. The Bible says we have to compare ourselves to this God, this holy, perfect standard. And, and if we compare ourselves to other people, okay, maybe we can kind of make some arguments that, hey, we're going to be, we're okay if I compare myself to, like, Pastor Ben. I mean, I'm probably a pretty good person, and that may sound weird, like, I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to be a good person, but you guys don't know my background. Um, and, uh, and then there's some people, they just give up. They're like, I'm here for the Easter pictures and the candy. I'm just a I'm just person. I've done my own thing. I, man, I, I hope things work out maybe in eternity, but, you know, I, I know I've messed up in this life, and I, I hope, you know, lightning doesn't strike your church building because I walked into it because, you know, I'm just kind of a bad person. Man, you are the people, well, I identify with you, but Jesus seemed to be more interested in people who had that stance than anyone else. That's who he spent the majority of his time with, people who thought there's no way they could make it. They had one leg up in coming to the truth because they didn't rely on their good works or a whole other group being a good person and being a religious person. Those were people who who had, had the worst chance, honestly, of coming to this realization of what the resurrection means, who Jesus is, and trusting in him. And so that's just our first real problem is that we all have sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God, as Scripture uh, directly says. Number two, though, come on back with me, millennials. Here's a safe space we're going to step into. We have a real solution, a beautiful, amazing, real solution. That's what the cross is. That's what the resurrection points to, the the culmination of what the solution really is. In Hebrews 10.14, It says, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. What offering is being referenced here? The offering of Jesus on the cross. That he is the perfect sacrificial lamb. That's, this happens all during Passover, a time when the people of Israel would understand kind of the implications of all these things. And, and John the Baptist proclaims that Jesus is that perfect lamb. And that's what Jesus has done. He gave that one offering. And, and scripture is just so crystal clear that it's not one offering and then a bunch of religious rituals or goodness that we try to add to it. That it is that one act that what Jesus did and accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection is completely sufficient to make us right with God. If we put our trust in that, if we accept that free gift and that free payment that God offers to it to us, it is completely sufficient. And what we try to do is add to it. And what that does is, the Bible says, nullify the whole thing. Because you're not putting all your trust in Jesus. You're putting your trust, some in Jesus, but then you also want to put your trust in yourself or your system or whatever. And that's not putting your full trust in Jesus, so therefore you don't get the full uh, uh, payment and full gift of salvation that he offers. And so um, this real solution, though, that should be freeing to some of us. Who, who live in that state of going, okay, I know it's Jesus, and then it's some of this other stuff. I hope I've done enough of this other stuff. No, it's all Jesus, and what he's accomplished is enough. And that's where that weight of religious obligation just falls off of you, and you can rest in Jesus. Um, Titus 3, 3 through 7, longest passage I want to share with you this morning, and I'll try to do it really quickly. It says this, Once we too were foolish... And disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. That, that sounds kind of harsh. This is um, this is speaking to people who have put their trust in Jesus and what He's done on the cross and through His resurrection. And it says, "Hey, you guys, remember what we were like before Jesus? Like, if we were really honest and real with ourselves, what our hearts were really bent towards?" Our own desires, our own uh, getting uh, th- our, whatever we desired out, out of uh, other people. Like, this is really what we're bent towards. This is where we were. But I just love where this passage ends up and how it clearly spells out uh, what salvation is all about. It goes on to say, But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, and let me just pause there for a second as we reflect on the resurrection. Jesus gets to the resurrection, of course, through the cross. And the cross, I've heard some historians and theologians say that the the whole process that Jesus went through, the torture, the humiliation, not only being put on a cross, which was common in in Roman times then, but but what wasn't common was the additional uh, uh, torture that Jesus went through the lashings and the crown of thorns and all those things, this may, have, may be the most painful execution recorded in history. Um, Jesus loves you. <laughs> Jesus did this for you. He did this to cover my sin, to pay for my sin. If you ever stand in some kind of doubt about how God feels about you, or how God views you, or what God would be willing to do to have a relationship with you, and to be with you forever, no matter who you are. Some people say, oh, well, not me. And again, we jump back to who Jesus most offered this to, and hung out with. It was people who would, would absolutely, everyone else in the culture said, you're too bad, you're too far from God. And so God loves us tremendously, and I think on Easter we, just, we should always remind ourselves of this, but we should especially remember what Jesus went through to get to the place where he was buried. He gave up his life, but he did it in a way that showed incredible love and compassion. He saved us. Who saved us? He saved us, and then we kicked in some, and we saved us. No, it's just him. He gets all the credit, and that's part of what, what adding religion to Christianity, how sad it is, is because it, it, it takes away credit from Jesus, instead of giving him all the credit. And here in this passage, these believers, they're reminded where they came from, like, yeah, we were sinners, but he saved us. Um, not because of the righteous things that we had done, just in case you didn't catch that, that it was just him. It's nothing that we added to the equation. Nothing, uh, no righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy and what mercy is, is not giving the punishment to someone that they deserve. If my kids, you know, get bad grades and they deserve to, you know, be grounded or whatever, mercy is saying, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to take away that punishment. So because of his mercy, he washed away our sins Giving us again, who gets all the credit? Who did it completely? He. He washed away all our sins. Giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right. There it is again in his sight. And he gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Man, if you're in a religious system, you have no confidence because it's based on you. If you're like me, I mess up a lot. But if it's based on Jesus and what he has completely accomplished, there is a peace and a rest that comes with that. Um, So we have this uh, real solution um, and this real life. And and this points to another kind of life that a lot of people, I think, miss in the Christian faith. Like what it talks about, the life that we have, is the fact the Holy Spirit lives in us and through us. Uh, Let me read this passage. I think it puts it well. Um, In Galatians 2.20, it says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Kind of an interesting thought. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That there's this whole different... Once you put your trust and faith in Jesus, you have this peace, you have this weight lifted, you have this relationship with God, and God says... He lives inside of you. That's why Jesus, he's resurrected, and then he ascends. He goes back to heaven, and he says, it's better that I go back, because when I go back, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit resides in a believer to live out the life that God wants you to live. The Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us strength, and gives us motivation to live for God. So that's the real life that's offered in the Christian life. Um, not only does Jesus accomplish all that's necessary to make you worthy or righteous, he then does that and gives you this incredible gift of the Holy Spirit. The um, number four is just to wrap it up and try to make it short this morning. We have a real choice. Um, and the choice is to accept this offer, this incredible, the greatest gift you'll ever be extended is what Jesus has offered to every person who would simply receive it and place their trust and faith in him. He doesn't force it on anyone. Uh, that's not a loving relationship. You can't force a loving relationship, and that's what he desires to have with you. That's what you're created to, to do and to, to have. That's another part, jumping back to the life that he offers us. Is, is the life, finding real life is being freed from some people think real life is doing whatever I want no when you do whatever you want and you give in to your your bent away from doing things god 's way and focusing everything on yourself, what comes with it is hurting other people condemnation guilt not not finding the reason and purpose you were created but but finding real life is finding the life that you were created to have. Your creator made you to have a relationship with you. He made you to live this life for his purpose and his will. And when you discover that, you find this <clears throat> this true real life. But it's your choice. He doesn't force it on anyone. And in the simplest of terms, the Bible gives us a choice of how we can accept this. And here's uh, the last verse I want to share with you in Romans 10.9. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that don't get too, too hung up on, on maybe, oh, no, what is this formula I need, to, I need to say or do or believe? No, it's simply just saying um, putting your trust and confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone brings you into relationship with God. And, and extends, you receive that free gift that, that Jesus uh, paid for you on the cross. And, and the last group I just want to talk to this morning are the people like me. Uh, I'm like a big skeptic, okay? I think it's because I don't want to look dumb for one thing. And I just, I don't know, I have that skeptical nature. It runs in my family. Ask my wife. Um, and, and I don't want to just accept things at face value, and, and I don't want to get suckered into any kind of system. I don't want to give my life away to something that's not real. Um, and I love that we have a God that does not ask you to have blind faith, never asks for blind faith. He gives us incredible, incredible, I'm making up words. It's Easter, I can do what I want. I'm a pastor, I can make up a word on Easter, I guess. No, he, he gives us incred- incredible evidence. Sorry, go again. Amazing evidence of the truthfulness of the resurrection. I love the quote. I just had to throw it in your program there at the end that from this Harvard Law professor saying that the resurrection is perhaps the most provable, provable historical event in history. It is crazy. It's something, as a skeptic, I I had those big questions. I said, well, why should I trust that? What if I just grew up in this part of the world and I was taught this religious system? Like, you you know, I should just accept this because this is the culture I'm in or what? And I examined and I looked at the evidence of of other faith systems and, and, and the Christian faith. And the Christian faith is incredibly unique. It's based on hard, real evidence. Um and And the resurrection, as we celebrate it here on Easter morning, is the greatest greatest evidence that, that that God has given us. I mean Jesus came on the scene. just think of the pattern of God through the whole Old Testament when he asks people to follow him and 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 you know follow his his plans and everything, he gives incredible evidence and miraculous signs and and and, and calls out to people specifically when Jesus comes on the scene, he fulfills prophecy that is impossible to be fulfilled by any person mathematically impossible and he fulfills hundreds and hundreds of prophecies some that are hundreds and hundreds of years old um he comes on the scene and and he performs miracles like if if god's in our midst and someone's claiming some crazy idea like hey i'm i'm god here in the flesh um i'm not just gonna go hey you seem like a nice guy okay and, of course, the people didn't do that. So what did Jesus do? He fulfilled the prophecy. And then he had supernatural evidence through miracles. And and we have accounts, incredible eyewitness accounts, that, that have all the markings of accuracy, of historical accuracy. That's why someone as, as smart as a Harvard Law professor would make that kind of claim. And so I say all that just because uh, Christianity is... Is, and what God calls you to in putting your trust in Jesus is not blind faith. And that's the kind of faith, the kind of just emotional uh, draw that that other faith systems will rely upon or manipulation. But, but God says, test me. And there's no sacred cow in, in coming to me. I'm big enough. I can handle your skepticism. I can handle your questions. And so the resurrection is incredible evidence. There I go again, of the of of who Jesus is and what He's accomplished.